Good evening or good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Indicator Cast episode 46. Uh, and today we have a quite a special episode lined up. Uh, but before we get started, um, we have a few guests here. Um, my regulars, Ryan Kendall, how are you doing? Good, sir? Um, pretty good, a bit sore from uh, moving house, but you know, we do what we can. I just need some deep heat and I'm all good. Excellent, excellent. Well, you had to move all those uh, physical media releases too, so... Um, oh, bro, uh, like 15, 16 boxes. <laughs> and they're big boxes too. I'm like, uh, <laughs> some days right. I'm just like, why? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also joined here um, by another regular, Tony Meaches. How are you doing, Tony? Doing well, thank you, John, and looking forward to this episode, especially with all these guests here. It's a, it's basically a, a great crowd tonight. Yeah, full house, absolutely. And um, also returning is uh, Suzanne, who's a regular on our episodes. How are you doing, Suzanne? Hi there, I'm good, thanks, and happy to be back once again. Excellent, excellent. So, uh yeah, looking forward to this. And of course, uh, William Rodley. How are you doing, William? Good to have a long time. I see good to have you back on. I know. I apologize. I got lost in the bush for a while there, went out trying to find myself, and here I am back again. Always absolute pleasure to be here, and thank you all. Um, words will always fail me, and they failed me again, but thank you. And uh, in case you didn't know, this is a very special episode. We've got returning to the podcast for a bit of a chat and a catch-up. Uh, the directors of uh, Powerhouse Films Indicator, we have uh, John Morrissey and Sam Dunn. Uh, how are you doing this morning, gentlemen, for you guys? <laughs> Good morning, John. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, <laughs> Billy Bob. Is that right, Billy Bob? That's Obviously me. Obviously, Kendall and Suzanne. That's Billy Bob. That's you, is it? Okay. <laughs> yep. Last in the bush, nice Billy Bob. <laughs> is it okay well it's great to be back we haven't uh, we haven't done it for a little while so it's good that we can catch up just before the end of the year excellent yeah it's, it's been a been about a year almost the last chat was in january so wow wow okay. yeah. amazing yeah time flies when you're having stuff to do yeah. <laughs> heartaches <laughs> with all of us the year the year's gone so quick i think for all of us just in our own personal lives been a very busy year um yeah so it's all gone it's already christmas so i can definitely sympathize with the whole moving house and uh, taking your physical media with you it really is like a, a sort of beautiful albatross isn't it it's um it really is you kind of <laughs> find yourself going why and then opening the boxes and going oh yeah i, I know why yeah, yeah basically <laughs> open the box and it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes i'm like yeah yeah, you're yeah. pretty <laughs> you're pretty yeah. <laughs> why have i got two of those <laughs> yeah <laughs> three of those yeah. four of those <laughs> no, oh, I'm not that bad. oh where's my VHS box <laughs> <laughs> I know that happens to William a lot because you tend to sell doubles and triples you've accidentally bought a yeah. few times mm, accidentally quotations <laughs> yes accidentally quotations indeed how many copies do I need seven <laughs> <laughs> too many too many um, but yeah, it's been a been a wild year, and for you guys as well. Um, so we're just we we're just chatting offline earlier. So obviously, you guys kicked off the year with Michael J. Murphy, which technically was meant to be a October release, but got obviously due to the production of it. And then, like I was saying earlier, I noticed once that release came out, the kind of the 
it was kind of clogged up and now it's been released yeah. and you guys yeah. are back on track again throughout the year. So how was it like getting back on track with, you know, the schedule and all the releases starting off? That was great. You know, I mean, we, as you say, we've just been chatting before we hit the record button here, but there's something of PTSD related to that, you know, that title. It was a lot of work, a lot of, um, a lot of challenges, a really great and worthy thing to do. But uh, I think maybe we, we probably in hindsight should have known it was going to be really quite complex, but I think we went in assuming we could get it all done within a certain amount of time and just couldn't. And then, as you say, it, it fell back a couple of months. And as a consequence, a lot of other things got slightly clogged up. But yeah, it was really great to get back on track. Obviously, we put it to bed before uh, the end of last year so that it could come out in the January of this year. And uh, it just meant that we could start to focus on, you know, the various things that you've seen throughout the year, the various other box sets and individual titles. So it was, in a way, it was it was great just to get back to doing the sort of normal scale things. It felt like a walk in the park, really, it, it, you know, compared to what we've been through with Michael J. Murphy. But yeah, really great to get back on track because it's it, it's frustrating if things get clogged up and you sort of start missing your release dates and you 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 know you've, you know you've got lots of great content waiting in the wings and you just can't bring it through that's very frustrating absolutely but it, like, i think you know the baby was born i think people are very happy with the set i i love the set you know i know a lot of people in the community that spoke about it so um did, did you get i guess you're getting that sort of did you get any feedback from i, I guess yeah, the reviews yeah the reviews were great i mean it you know you, with every release you hope it lands well and especially if it's a slightly more off the beaten track kind of title or, or collection that you're working on and often it is with us because we like to sort of dig deep and um, bring stuff through that maybe hasn't had any exposure or much exposure before so there's always a bit of trepidation always a bit of thinking oh god you know I hope people see the value in what it is we've done here but I think um, I think you know there's an acknowledgement generally about the standard the quality of the films but also about how extraordinary the whole journey is and you know, some of the films are pretty standout, I think, um, especially knowing the budget, knowing the conditions of production. So, yeah, I think it landed well. It's nice to see that it's included in the uh, in Sight and Sounds Roundup in the latest edition. That's nice. You know, things like that, that people have, yeah, taken note and thought it was worthy. It's great. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to add, really, but we, we have this, this X Factor thing that we call, which is this amazing following which obviously you guys help create because we got so many emails never heard of michael j murphy not really sure about never seen any of his films but it's it's an indicator product i'm in and that was just incredible really you know the people are just um you know the faith that i guess that people have in what we what we release um that was that was i think that was probably the one one of the titles that really stood out for me where people just did take that leap of faith and everybody came back and said oh what a great you know, it's so great that you you put this sort of thing together. Um, so that was nice, really nice. It was well, as I was going to say, it's trying to spotlight this guy who has true love for the medium and what he did mm. was great because everything he did was like a love letter to cinema yeah. from, from his perspective. And it's just great that you guys have been able to show <laughs> the love on this man who deserves it. It's like, you know, he went out there and did this stuff by his own on the such minuscule budgets but with such passion yeah. so it's truly appreciated so thank you that's great that's great 
it, it's it's a like I said, it's kind of adventurous, like going through it, and I think that's exciting for I think you know collectors and people in the community because something you know, you've never heard of usually. Once again, there's that trust with what you guys do, like you curate. You know, I'm going to give this a go. Like what other there are other labels that do that as well. We kind of trust what they do, and I think um, it's better than don't want to say anything about other labels, but, you know, the same movie, you know, for the seventh time being released over and over again, you know, this is something a little bit more exciting. So it's more adventurous. So, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate that. Honestly. That's great. That's um, great. I, I was going to ask, kick off, um, obviously you guys got into 4K this year as well. And just because yeah. obviously that's, I think last time we spoke, uh, Sam, you were saying it was quite a learning experience, you know, the whole process and how everything works but i was curious now that you've had your first few 4ks um what's because we we here we all love 4k we, we understand it but i'm curious mm -hmm. about adoption is it is it being adopted are you still seeing blu-ray as majority if you release both um i'm just curious how that's been going for you guys like or is it mm -hmm. um is it 50 50 or, or maybe less or i'm just curious what, what's it, it, it is amazing um i mean you know in, in total we're still selling the same number of units of any given title but if the skew is it's something like 80 20 isn't it john i mean it's like fairly, it is yeah yeah we, we, we recently did an yeah we did recently do an analysis uh, and i think we were we were very pleasantly surprised um because mm. obviously the co the costs involved in in releasing um uhd are obviously a lot more um so it's gratifying to see that at least you know there are extra sales in there that to to justify justify doing it because we're pretty committed you know right the way through uh, 2024 as well with lots of UHDs planned so um yeah no the, the sales have been um, have been very very uh, very positive indeed so um we just I, I think the st the story is you know that we as you know we've got a, a quite close connection with some of the studios but the studios were just resistant to um letting us have any UHD product so predominantly it's all these independents that we independent films that we've um, that we've done licenses for that we've managed to get the UHD rights as well because the studios just don't seem to want to play ball so we we had some tough conversations with those this year and um, we just couldn't manage to squeeze any out of them unfortunately not sure why but because I know 4Ks they're on to the um yeah, the Rollins and obviously in that sort of catalogue, I guess, of um, uh, Salvation films or that, that that sort of that yeah. batch you were doing 4K. So that, that I was yeah, curious why that they kind of got the 4K. But uh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Possibly reflects in respect to with the bigger businesses, they're scared because all the doom talk about physical media, et cetera, about they're scared about investing into the 4K market. But there's a demand for us collectors yeah. want with best possible media we'll buy and buy again to get the best yes. format for what we can have and yeah. to me they're shooting themselves in the foot it's just stupidity but what do i know well you know a lot bill because that, that's the mentality comments. these people love yeah well <laughs> we could comment i suppose but we get in trouble Don't yeah it's, i think you do that let me get in trouble okay. yeah let you get in trouble yeah let them come for um, me i'm with that but, Certainly, from where we're sat, it's you know it's a very frustrating situation. Really, the whole, the way the studios um, now see physical, um, and what you know, the way that we 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 just saw some recent um, stats about you know people saying that about you know, if you, if you, if everything was digital and then they decide to drop films out of their catalogue, you know those things disappear. Where physical is still as strong as ever. Um, so there's lots of um, 
groundswell about you know how physical is is still quite strong, particularly in in, in the the arena that we're all in. Yeah, well, very prominent well, figures like you know Chris Nolan and Guillermo del Toro lending weight to that as well in recent statements. Yeah, and only at the moment the way they've withdrawn all the Discovery Channel stuff. Here's people buying this media to watch digitally that they own, <laughs> and mm. now it's gone so if you own it physically there's a difference between digital rights and media physical rights it's just ridiculous you've got the crew as well and it's a video game which they've just pulled up as well that's gone so if Mm. you don't own it and the thing in the threads is like well let's go for piracy it's like no i don't want to go for piracy i'd rather buy and pay and support the people and that's the thing that frustrates me with these people they're more interested in bottom lines instead of what's best for them longer term i apologize i'll be quiet <laughs> no 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 it's, it's a good it's a good point and it's a it's an important one isn't it i mean for you know for people like me who grew up buying vhs and kind of missing titles and finding they were deleted and hard to find and mm-hmm. tracking them down you know i think I can't ever really kind of lose that mentality. You know, I'm always thinking, oh, you know, I better get that before it goes out of print or try to snap it up the minute it goes, you know, or, or find it in a charity shop or something, you know. Or, um, so I think that that sort of philosophy is is just ingrained in me. But actually, it seems like it, it, it there's nothing wrong with that because it's proving to be, the, the, you know, it's proving to be true even in the digital domain. So that kind of utopian space is not proving to be any different, different you know. How's the um, physical media going up over in um, the UK? Because with us Australians, like all the distributors have been pulling out this yeah, year, yeah. like certainly pull out. So I'm wondering, like, not yeah. so much boutique relabel, but just like you know your standard physical media releases. How's that actually going over there in the UK? Well, there are big changes here. You know, I mean the studios. I mean that kind of mainstream space. Yeah, we we, we heard about all those changes in Australia. There aren't the changes here aren't quite so drastic, but but they're the ways in which a lot of the studios actually get their products to market have changed, which is sort of going through third parties rather than it just being mm-hmm. handled directly, which is a kind of sends a certain kind of signal and is a certain kind of sea change. But I mean, in terms of our space, our, this boutique space, all I can see is just all of these amazing labels releasing more and more amazing mm-hmm. content, uh, possibly mm-hmm. another couple of labels coming on stream early next year because of a few changes. Have, have happened uh, like in the in the light of network going which is obviously one of the mm. saddest things in this past year um but yeah i mean i mean the mainstream space is is changing we can't deny that and it's you know but it doesn't seem to be having any impact you know from where we sit not not at all everything's very if not year on year the same, you know, we might be even seeing a little bit of an uplift this past year. Um, you know, it seems very positive. The marketplace is age-driven as well, in respect of you've got the older people buying the DVDs, you've got the collectors getting the Blu-rays and the 4Ks, you've got the younger kids embracing sort of like media that's like VHS and tape, low-fly stuff as well. So there's yeah. still hope out there. And the, the problem is that the them out there, the, the media people, don't seem to appreciate that the market that we offer to them that's the thing sorry yeah no, no i think one of the probably the main argument with that is like all the boutique labels actually release good films and fun films from the good era and all the like you know big companies are releasing their shit like 
films that came out last year that they lost $100 million worth on it because <laughs> no one wants to see, you know, $100 million worth of crap CGI. So they're just like, oh, we're not making money off this uh, DCU film. <laughs> Let's uh, just pull out. I think there's a market for all of it, really, one way or mm. the other. I think, yeah, 100%. I think that speaks to is the difference between the kind of consumer that just wants to have access and doesn't want to retain it and make sure they've got it, even if it's gone out of print, as it were. And then, you know, you guys and hopefully people listening, you know, who have a different philosophy and a different attitude, which is that they're kind of, well, I suppose in a way, the kind of archivists, they kind of want to retain this stuff and, you know, make sure if it becomes rare and difficult to get that actually they oh. have it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we we don't want it hard to get. We want everybody to be able to share it. But oh, absolutely, yeah. But really if it becomes that way, it's yeah. the most frustrating thing. There are certain labels that bring out these limited things. I could look at a certain company in America, which I won't mention, have these <laughs> limited ones that you can't get apart from themselves, which to me is like shooting yourself in the foot because if you're going to offer something, you should be offering it to everyone. And like you guys do, it's like, you know. Accessible. I was going to lead the next question, like, because um, obviously the, the space is changing, um, uh, but obviously with retails and in those those fear mongering articles you get in, in, from Australia. And to be honest, they're talking about like big retails like JB Hi-Fi. And to be honest, their main businesses, washing machines and toasters, like physical media is just some little thing. It used to be bigger, but obviously it's, it's kind of like Best Buy in the US. So I think it's a little over dramatic and i was just saying because you guys obviously have a direct to consumer uh, web store i'm just curious you, you did your you've done your first um web store exclusive i was just curious what was the thinking behind that if, if you don't mind if telling us a little bit about that um one of the upcoming titles is a exclusive to you guys you can't get it through any other retail yeah, yeah. and there'll probably be more of those to come i think going forward um it, it i mean the it, I mean, obviously, the, you, I don't know whether you've probably seen the stories where uh, H&V have just reopened their store on Oxford Street in London. Mm. So, the, but the retail landscape is pretty decimated, really. I mean, in in the UK, not that we, it's a space that we're in, but even the supermarkets here, um, who used to be, you know, very very big on on DVD and and Blu-ray, you know, they're all opting out of that that particular market. Uh, and then you've got um, the likes of Amazon, etc., where you know, you, you, a lot of things are out of your control with them. Um, and so really, I mean, we made a decision many years ago, really, to really focus on, 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 on particularly, you know, customers like yourself, really, that, that the, the regular customers who order our products every month. And, and, and we like to think that, you know, we really focus on, on that aspect to it. And you are regulars and you do support us. And, and you put us where we are, really, because, you know, without that regular monthly ordering that you do then you know we're, we're not going to be able to buy uh, future films or we're not going to be able to upgrade to UHD etc so our focus has always been for, for many years is, has been that aspect to it and we decided to make the decision on uh, for a couple of reasons really but I mean really to say that we were in a lot more control with our distribution um, and I think so far you know we've had a good response but you know we, we, we've got some plans going forward which I think will be even bigger um, for next year and that that was the reasons really just the whole retail landscape and obviously all the other things that we, that Sam sort of alluded to you know the studios now using third parties to to distribute their products so that space where you've got a third party and we use a third party to distribute our products as well 
it's full. You know, there's so many people, you know, with the studios being added to it, Disney and Fox and you know, Paramount and Sony Pictures now, you know, they don't have their own sales, if you like. They have to go through a third party. And that that, that is really. And so, you know, where you are in the pecking order or where you were two years ago in the pecking order of, of getting your releases to market, you know, where you were maybe third or fourth, maybe now you're seventh or eighth. So there's just not the focus that, you know, we, we, we would put onto uh, onto a title. And this is a way really of us of us really well, hopefully looking after the, the regular customers and to just control everything a, a little bit more. And I can see that happening. And, you know, we've already had positive feedback from other labels as well, saying, you know, they're not they're looking at similar similar ways of doing it. You know, we've got a great distribution network, as you guys know, you, a lot of you order it from from us directly. And that gets to gets to you guys pretty quickly. Um, so it's it's we found it's the best it's the best way forward. Yeah, and it's a bit of an experiment as well, really. Frankly, you mm. know, we just um, as John says, we've been talking about it almost since you know the inception of the company, um, because ultimately, <clears throat> I think it's a very exciting prospect. The idea that you could possibly just have the majority of your sales go through, you know, your direct to consumer um, web store, because I think you can then, you know, the kind of offerings that you can put together and how agile you can be just, it just changes everything. Cause when you have to sort of go through these other systems and you know, there are certain deadlines for getting stopped to X warehouse and then from X warehouse into, you know, and it just, um, it creates pressures, it increases costs. It, uh, you know, causes all kinds of problems, um, which, if they could be avoided, would be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. And and like I said, we all order direct. I mean, it's it's just easier. It's um, mm. and what's the other thing? Like you you guys think like us, so in terms of, you know always bubble wrapped and you know nicely packaged. Mm. So it's like why would you you know like I said, don't get me wrong, like they're retail, but you know people are chucking an envelope and just throw it you know no protection. So yeah, and 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 obviously you know it, it's there's a large. I'm sure that the regular cut, like I said, coming back monthly. So it's it's just easier to ordering direct. So yeah, it's I, I think that's where kind of the market <coughs> well works. Yeah, so, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, and, and can I can I just sort of add a little coda to that? I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult one because at the same time, you know, like John just mentioned that the new flagship HMV store is now back in its original location on Oxford Street, which is is amazing, really. You know, it's a it's 101 or two years old now. And it's kind of it's had in the UK, it's had a lot of problems. It's gone into administration, it's come back out, it's gone back in, you know, it's um, but it is it is fantastic to see that there and to, to actually go, you know, to go into a physical store is is great. You know, that's a great nostalgic thing, you know, going through vinyl, having a look at what's on the shelves in the Blu-ray section and so on and so forth. So it's not like we're kind of talking about wanting that to to, to wane or to stop. We want to be in there as well. And I think you know we've got enough lines we've got a huge catalogue we've got lots more coming so it's not like it's not about just being one or the other it's not about being that reductive but it's just about exploring these different options and seeing what can work and i think to some degree for those people who order from the website kind of saying look it's a kind a reward is maybe too strong a word but it's sort of recognizing that there there is this you know sort of diehard true audience there and saying it's great that you keep coming back and look you can only get this here so in a way you know that if you're not aware of that you sort of miss out which would be a shame and hopefully that would also bring more people to the site you know 
Um, but I, you know, I hope that all of those things coexist and that we still get stuff in HMV and still people buy in HMV and Amazon and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it's good at strong in a, in a physical presence as well. Unfortunately, in Australia, it's like I said, it's tricky. Yeah. It sounds strong, yeah. okay, which is good. It sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, just just quickly, while we're on the web store, um, Tony had a question you were going to ask about. Uh, just just quickly, I mean, the black. Well, Friday. I was going to ask. You know, you know, since as we mentioned, Australia's physical media market is slowly going down well it looks like with your last black friday sale you're going up it's, i believe this is apparently your biggest sale so far that was your biggest sale so far that was just passed it was tony yeah um and incredibly um it's i i, I sort of analyzed it a little bit straight after the sale and you know, you you can actually see where these which is quite incredible really is is where the new customers are coming from and these new customers, you can tell they all the Christine and Body Double and all you know, all the housekeeping, all the early, early titles. So these are all new new to um, Powerhouse. So from our point of view, it's just fantastic that, you know, we, that the people still that we're still finding new customers. And, and we did get an awful lot from uh, from Australia as well. I mean, we we see all the orders coming through and it is it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's not just the new release. It is the, they're going right the way through the catalogue, which. As, as speaks volumes really for for the the, the great catalogue that we, that we have. I mean, we're I think we're over 300 titles now that we've got in our in our catalogue, which is um which takes some going. It's great. Tell you. Mm, yeah, it is. It's a real. And just uh, to let you know, we, you know, we're scheduled through to 2025. Um, you know, the titles going forward. So, you know, our yeah. treadmill, the, the treadmill keeps going. Yeah, the treadmill gonna keeps need going. a bigger shelf. You're going to need a much bigger shelf, yeah, most definitely. I'm going to need an eighth million every week. <laughs> but it is, it, it's great, really is great to see that, um, you know, the kind of uh, new customers that we that we encourage to, uh, you know, during the, during the sale, you know, we we sort of advertise it a little bit. We don't go too over the top, so it's yeah. a massive word of mouth. Um, yeah. We don't do a, a huge amount on Facebook. We don't, you know, it, it's just generally... I think it is incredible how word of mouth spreads about um, about these sales that that, that we put together, and um, yeah, it's um, it really helps us to get through the year, if, if I'm honest. And a whole bunch of titles went out of print this during the sale as well. That's the other mm. kind of well, it's kind of exciting for us to think that you know we make X amount of any given thing, and when that goes, that feels like sort of an important moment you know in the life cycle mm -hmm. of those titles it's great that you know we obviously want to keep them available just going back to to william's point earlier you know it's not about pulling them out and saying you can't get it anymore but just that particular what we say skew you know that particular iteration the limited edition um and there's this yeah there's, there's a certain satisfaction in thinking wow okay we've, like there's 250 lines that have gone out of print now and the <laughs> standard editions are, are in that's that's great you know that's what we want to see if we possibly can it's good that you do this standard editions too because it just helps people get that film too without having to pay you know bringing a hundred dollars on ebay or whatever <laughs> right 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 and you know and, and importantly all of the extras are always on the disc as well so it's not mm. we're not no kind of it's not about penalizing it's just about you know the, the pricing accordingly really you know the, the print parts and the, so on and so forth exactly it must be because yeah, like i said in terms of new 
customers coming on board because like kendall you can attest to it like on the group we're getting you know people wanting to join every day like there's mm. two or three new it's people so it's so great it's like yeah and from all around the world it's just mm. and, yeah and, and and obviously during the sale the word of mouth like just just the group was filled with people's whole sale halls like massive piles up to here and <laughs> yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah big piles yeah. <laughs> So, well, I guess that's the nature of our catalogue. There, there, you know, we talked. I think we touched on this earlier when we were talking about Michael J. Murphy. There's, there's a degree of the unknown or the lesser known, and I think for some people that's really exciting, and they've got to get to it straight away. You know, I'm that, <laughs> I'm that sort of person. But understandably, there are other people because there's a lot of stuff coming out, loads of labels to support, lots of piles piling up of things not watched yet, and all that kind of stuff. But I think when the sale comes around. For some people, it's a great opportunity to say, what's this Bartleby, you know, or what's this, whatever the film is, and mm. just to, and hopefully make a discovery, you know, or, or to. Give it a chance, give it a go. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so in terms of the catalogue this year, um, Suzanne, I think you had some questions about some of the catalogue or some of the titles. That I do. Yes, I do. Uh, so last time we chatted, you mentioned you were great fans of British cinema. So it seems logical that you guys would champion the largely forgotten British horror icon, Todd Slaughter, with this box set that you've just done. And I'm I'm in love with this. So I first read about him in Dark Side magazine um, and was just fascinated. And I found that I did have a couple of his films but can you just tell us a bit about your relationship with his films and putting this box set together? Yeah, sure. I mean, interesting that you should mention Dark Side because Alan Bryce, who's editor um, of, of, he's such a huge Slaughter fan. He was over the moon that we were doing this. Um, and that's been one of the nice things, you know, there are so many people that we've worked with, like David Tibet from Current 93 and, you know, Steve Thrower and all these guys. Um, who just worship Todd Slaughter. And I guess, you know, it's the same for me. You know, he's he's up there with uh, the Christopher Lees and all of the, the, you know, the important icons of British horror. And I think the first time I saw them, which would probably be the same for most people of my age, was just, you know, when they were circulating on TV and not very good prints. Um, picked up a few DVDs over the years and just always sort of felt it was such a shame. I mean, it's great to be able to see them, but always such a shame that they never looked good and it just felt it just sort of lent them this quality of being a bit public domainy and you know you would get these you know gray area issues of these films so just the idea that we could go back and access the original nitrate negatives from the bfi and kind of show them the love um and just kind of create something that just seemed to have more I was going to say value that's not what i really mean but just to sort of lend them more weight and just treat them more seriously rather than kind of they feel a bit more throwaway which i think they have done over the years because they're great i mean it's it's and again it's like talking about michael j murphy when you watch these films back to back and you see that it's kind of like the same story but told in different ways and um you just get to see the nuances of todd slaughter's performance and and you know that of some of his stock company um, and just really sort of be able to delve into the history of the productions. It's just it turns into something else, I think. Definitely. And I, I love that um, people are rediscovering him and realising that he's actually really important with that link 
between Victorian horror and this more modern horror into the 20th century. So he has been greatly underrated. Yeah, and the connection with theatre as well in, in, in all of that stuff is, you know, there's this very rich history and you, you, you're right. There's always been, I think, even at the height of his sort of fame or celebrity, this kind of 50-50 split, hasn't there, between those people who just think it's hokey and not very good and those other people who kind of, who recognise that it's doing something quite specific, that almost as an in-joke almost. Um, and I love that thing about the audiences used to be full of, <clears throat> the haves and the have nots you know you'd have those people who were sort of coming from uh, in, in kind of British cultural terms a more working class background who appreciated their kind of more visceral aspects and then those people who came from let's say more middle class um, and who appreciated something about their kind of cunning and their cleverness I, I just like that idea that there's something for everyone in, in the Todd Slaughter movies. I do and he was apparently the master of um the, the gimmick, so I read he had a full-size gallows on stage and people right. would come every night to see this very realistic mock hanging, which obviously people used to watch real ones publicly, so there's yeah. that thirst for that kind of, you know, yeah, visceral entertainment. Mm -hmm. yeah. He, yeah, he took it quite seriously, that with, you know, in the... The whole um, like shaving blades and all that kind of stuff. Sort of <laughs> apparently used to nip out, didn't he, in the in the interval and go and have a pint across the road in his full Sweeney Todd getup with blood all over him. <laughs> People <laughs> used to kind of run shrieking in the streets, thinking that he just was a mass murderer or something. Yes. And you're also offering the book uh, from Hemlock Publishing on your website. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've done similar in the past. We it's not it's um it's kind of like a third party arrangement. Obviously, we did it with um, John. Help me out. We did it with the Birdie soundtrack, didn't we? We did. Yeah, yeah. we did some yeah. stuff with and that. And we yeah. also did it when we did the um, did it with the Ormond Hollywood the Ormond the Ormond box set. Yeah, 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 yeah we we did. press. Yeah, so it's a, just a great opportunity to kind of um, you know while the spotlight is on. That particular figure just kind of say hey there's this too and usually we get we work in a, in a kind of partnership way with that mm. publisher and they maybe have our box set as well great and how's the response been to the todd slaughter set great yeah really good yep. uh you know it, it, again just to sort of echo what we were saying about michael j Murf murphy earlier i can't remember whether we were recording or not but just when you see those reviews come through and you because you kind of, you know, for a while you're just believing yourself, you you know, oh, this is a really great idea, let's do this. <laughs> and then it's not really until you release it that you get any sense of feedback on that, whether it was a good idea or not. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of love out there for Todd Slaughter. I think it's mm. it's great that it translates with you guys and that it, it lands with you. But I think particularly in the UK, there's something very specific about you know, I don't know if it's exactly the Alvin Purple of, of British cinema or whatever, but it's, you know, like it's got a certain resonance um, that, that that is that feels very peculiarly British as well as, yeah, as I say, it's great that it translates and it sort of means something to you guys as well. But yeah, yeah very good. I think response. I love, yeah, I love that Victorian aspect of his style of performance. So yeah. I think anyone yeah. that kind of understands that and likes that, I feel like 
people need to get together and boo and hiss. Yeah, exactly. Yes, in this pantomime thing, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. And great, you know, to have those short films and see how he sort of extends that kind of character work into some of those like Pathé shorts and things. It's quite, it's quite, uh, quite kooky and nice. It, it was a massive. I was because when we did our episode, it was a big blind spot for a lot of us down here. I think in Australia, like. Uh, maybe it didn't play as much or you know on our television and stuff yeah sure. discovery for a lot of people i know you know who, who got the box set and i i loved it too so and um i was gonna say also you included speaking of web store exclusives there was a little card that came with the yeah set nice little like a mm, nice, yeah little throwback well, i think that's just it was exactly yeah, the night of the demon thing yeah i mean because mm. that was one of our most surprising kind of I don't know cost to impact ratio things we'd ever done because it cost hardly anything and then people loved it um mm. uh, so I think this was in a way just a sort of an opportunity to almost do an homage to the night of the demon <laughs> moment but also it is his original it is his original card so it's quite nice to be able to reproduce it and make it a little thing yeah must feel quite good to bring these underappreciated artists and their bodies of work back into public consciousness. Um, Most definitely, does that yeah. feel really important to you? And or, you know, why is it important? Do you think? Oh yeah, it, it, it yeah, it does feel good. It feels like part of what our mission is. Um, you know, just like what what John was just saying. Sometimes people aren't familiar, whether that's because there's a cultural disjoint or just something they've never really come across and I think if you can offer something I mean you know the in the case of the slaughter box it's not definitive there's there's more to his story but in terms of the work he did with George King and all of that it is definitive so it's sort of in it's a sort of self-enclosed fully formed fully comprehensive story that's being told and I think as much as releasing individual films I think being able to tell those stories and you know kind of create a one-stop shop for, for kind of getting full, uh, what you might say, information around something is great. So, you know, if you haven't heard of it, but you're inclined because you know that you're a, a sort of a cinephile and you've got an adventurous taste, then it's nice to kind of go, if you if you do this, if you buy this, get inside the book, watch the films, watch the extras, you're sort of, that's the journey. That's um, pretty much all you need to know is there. So I think being able to sort of offer that is feels very important to us. Um, and I think just to reward people's passion and interest, you know, and to, and to help facilitate their journey beyond maybe what they know already. Um, and maybe if it doesn't sound too pompous, maybe try and, you know, help them pick their way through certain stuff. I mean, you know, lots of great labels doing it. So no one's pretending to be the only or best curator in the, in the planet, but, um, you know, in our small way, I think we do shine some spotlights and create a bit of new knowledge or kind of help replatform a, a, a filmmaker who's fallen off the map. It's always been something I'd like to do. I, did, I used to work at the BFI and we, we did this strand called Flipside. And that was what that was all about as well. I had a very British focus. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. I'm very excited about that box as soon as I saw it announced. So, um, last and you know, time we all... Oh, sorry, Susan. I was just going to say we're no, doing no. similar things in the in the realm of uh mexican cinema which i have to say oh. given that we're publishing it and given that i'm working very heavily on it uh, along with 
our producer Nora and um, various of the the licensors and other experts. It's not a, I, I don't know a lot about this stuff. So it, I know it's a learning curve for me as I go on on some of the stuff that we release. You know I know Roland well. I know the exploitation stuff that we're doing soon that we we'll maybe get around to talking about. I knew the slaughter, and when it comes to the British stuff, I know I know it quite well. But um, you know, so it's doubly exciting in a way to do the Mexican stuff because it's like wow, I'm watching the extras going wow, that's fascinating. You know. <laughs> you read Suzanne's mind because I think that's what Suzanne was just about. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of things I wanted to ask and one was about the um, Mexico Macabre box set, which was actually one of my favourite releases um, of 2023 because I'm a big fan of Curse of the Crying Woman. I just absolutely adore that film. I think it's been sadly neglected mm. for so long. Um so, I mean, you did Mexican films before with those early, early films. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was going to ask, do you plan to do more South American horror or are you maybe delving into some other neglected foreign horror titles from other countries? We do have more Mexican stuff coming up. We are, we are working on uh, a few right now so they're going to be announced quite soon they're coming out uh, i think it's march april time i've kind of lost a sense of time but yeah we have some really exciting ones coming out um ones that we know guillermo del toro is a big fan of um and then ho we're, we're hoping to be able to bring out a couple more box sets that are sort of in the mexico macabro uh macabre sort of sort of space where we sort of maybe explore three or four titles that sit within a given genre. So yeah, there'll be more. I, I'm not going to say exactly what they are just now, but before long, you'll see. That's okay. That sounds wonderful. Um, <laughs> any other any other foreign or countries you're going to dip into? Well, I guess uh, I guess we we did talk yesterday about obviously how supportive you are, you guys are with with your podcasts, and we thought well, it'd be nice to give you. A little bit of an exclusive um and which we've decided we will so you, you've heard it here first but just to let you know that we have signed a really big deal with sony pictures for another 60 movies which will be progressing through wow. the next seven years i think a long time isn't it all those movies but um there will be more hammer there oh. will be more noir sets and there will be more John Crawford films. I mean, it's a it's a really nice list of titles. So, um, you know, your your listeners will hear it here first. Oh, and that's yeah, no, that's very exciting. I was going to mean... ask about I was going to ask about Hammer and Noir, and now John Crawford. Oh my, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go and have yeah, a no, lie down now, Tony. No, for, no more foreign language in there, Suzanne. Unfortunately, but. Uh, yeah, we're going to be mixing it up, you know, between some of those classic Hollywood things and some of the American genre things. We don't really have any more of that kind of deep diving foreign language stuff outside of Mexico for now. Uh, obviously, continuing with the Rollands as well. Um, but, you know, we've, we've, we've run a couple of conversations about some other foreign language genre sets that maybe we'll get around to talking with you about before too long if they come off. Brilliant. I was going to ask about the Jean Rollin um, mm -hmm. 
additions that you've been doing because you that was your big exclusive last time we chatted we yeah. talked about them and that was very exciting and they just look fantastic the packaging yeah. and they just look beautiful they're like a gift to Jean Rollin fans Mm. Um, have they been received well and um, what's what's in the future for these additions? Yeah, they've gone down really well. I mean, it's uh, John and I were just talking about this the other day. It's nice because I think I think maybe we've released six of the Rollands and a couple of the uh, we've done Black Magic Rites and Cold Eyes of Fear. So some of the Italian genre things as well. And, I, you know, each each set of two as it's come out, they've been reviewing very nicely. We've they've sold really nicely, but I think towards the end of the year when we just released whatever we just released, I can't remember what we just worked on, but the last two of the Rollands, I think there was definitely this Crushing kind of cumulative. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, there's been this cumulative kind of almost snowball effect where I think you know consumers go in reviewers go in with a bit of caution to start with think like how's this company you know handling their 4k releases it's their first ones um and certainly there are lots of things to get right and plenty of pitfalls that you could easily fall down i think but um i think all told we've consistently so far with our eight 4k editions uh, uhd editions shown that we're you know trying to get everything right and you know do the restorations in a way that's um respectful and <clears throat> and uh yeah i think by the end of the year people a lot of the reviews were sort of talking about not just those releases but the whole year's worth of uhd releases in general and maybe reflecting on how they all look really good which is really gratifying so i, I think it's been a you know it's been a good year uh, in many many ways but i think not least because the uhds of those titles have landed very well and people thinking of them as being kind of definitive in their presentation and in terms of the kind of depth and, uh, and breadth of extras on there. Certainly they've, yeah, taken quite a lot of uh, time and effort. So it's, that's rewarding. It's great. And, you know, mm. just again, talking about all of us being these collectors, I mean, me, <laughs> I've been collecting since VHS days and I've had these films in multiple iterations. And, I, I, and, you know, it, it's nice because I think there's obviously two things happening at once. There are people who go back and buy them time and again, like me, in the hope that the next one will be even better looking. And, you know, yeah, I, I see you raising your hand there, William. I see it. And um, but I think there are also other people who've been sitting on the sidelines or who or who have just thought, nah, these aren't for me. But somehow because we're doing them and they appreciate other things that we do, they kind of think, oh, let me give this a go. So I think there have been lots of people that I've seen writing on forums or that we've had feedback from via email who are first timers, you know, coming to Roland for the first time. And they're like, wow, this is amazing, you know. So that's really gratifying. And that's part of why you do it. I think you, you know, try and have these films reach new people. Yeah, I've been with Roland since going back to the um, Redemption VHS, and Absolutely. I do think these are the additions that we all deserve, all the Jean Roland fans. So hey, that's great. really good. They look yeah, amazing. and with the the use of the HDR, like it looks pretty stunning. Yeah, I mean they are stunning movies. I mean yeah. they're given their budgets and all of the compromises that um, a lot of the times that Jean and his crew had to make. It's it's astounding that they look so good and that the colours are so rich. You know, it's fabulous. 
And I'm glad more horror fans are delving into genre Lynn because I do meet people and, oh, I've never seen one or, yeah. you know, and I always tell them, you know, there's something in there for everyone because he did so many movies and you've just got to take them in, take the atmosphere in. I think that's what fans like about them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, and uh, Kendall, you got you got anything to ask? <laughs> oh, this is um, yeah. Uh, what was my thing? It was about the John Rowland, like the slim hard cases. Because, ah, yeah. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it the idea that you were just going to do a big box set of all the roll-in films and you thought it was too big and then so you just did it individually? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had this, we had these big dreams, didn't we, John, that we were going to do all the restorations. We The way we licensed them was very specific and quite strategic, so we licensed them, um, but we... Our, our sort of term of license started on X date, but actually our first date of exploitation, which is to say that we couldn't release until such date, was actually 18 months later. So we thought, right, okay, there's like <laughs> 25 films in this package. Let's get them all restored to 4K. Let's go out with this big, beautiful box set. Um, and then the reality dawned of how expensive 4K mastering was. And, and you know, if that weren't enough, also how long it takes and how gosh how difficult to get each one over the line it is because you know you just keep spotting things you know it's unforgiving looking where well, you know you you look at the 4k image it's if it, you there's nowhere to hide you know it's not like even even hd to be frank you can get away with things you can kind of the things that you might not notice um but in hd every little speckle every god forbid any digital artifact that's left after a bit of cleanup work you know any of that stuff we um, and we're as vigilant as anyone can be about that stuff and as paranoid about leaving it in as anyone can be. So we, you know, each each project just took about <laughs> three months longer than Because <laughs> we're just used to working in 2K and with, uh, you know, mm. HD outcomes where, frankly, like I was saying earlier, that, that now I look at that, I just think it's a walk in the park. You know, if we're authoring, if we're in the middle of authoring and encoding and there's an error, and we need to go back and get something corrected on the master because it's just been picked up. You know, that that's not a two hour or even two day, you know, journey. That's two weeks. It, it, the files are just so huge. You know, it's oftentimes you have to get them back off a backup tape and back onto the system at your facility. So it just all takes uh, a lot longer. Um, I'm, I'm not really complaining. I'm just sort of saying it's a very different experience. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so all in all, that 18 months before you knew it, it it had flown by and we'd only done, I don't know, let's say eight restorations. So we were like, well, we can't do it like that. Um, but actually given how much, given the volume of information in each book, um, you know, and the amount of extras and things, I think it would have just been a pretty much impossible task, even if we had got the masters already in time. I think it just would have been so huge, so unwieldy that we just couldn't have done it. So I think this is, um, I think it's nice to shine individual spotlights on the films this way and give them their own breathing space. So I think it works. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool that you've got like the slim hard cases as well too, mm. which is a new thing. And like you can fit more on the shelf. It's a nice little comfortable thing. And um, that's the thinking, yeah, that's the, yeah. We, we, we designed it knowing that we had, uh, let's say 20 of these Rollands coming up and just thinking, well, if people want them and they're all going to be the same size as remember the night, for instance, that's a lot of shelf space, you know? Yeah. 
exactly yeah. they get um big and was that also like an ind- indication to um was it a couple of years ago that um those limited edition plastic cases that factory was closing down or something if i remember correctly that something would happen was that with those limited edition cases that they were not producing yeah, I mean, many now and so you've just something. gone to the hard cases to that no it's not really we haven't made that decision based on any problems i mean there are problems supply chain issues raw materials mm-hmm. issues which kind of comes out of all that stuff we've all just been through you know covid yeah. thing um <clears throat> and there are definitely i mean right now we're, we're going through a little bit of an issue with some case shortages <laughs> which John, john's grappling with but um um that's not the primary reason. I think we just wanted to create editions that had a certain deluxeness. Is that a word? You know, just, <laughs> it just looks different on the now. shelf because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, 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 it stands out. I mean, all all the all the films. It's very hard. It's like choosing. It's like Sophie's Choice or something. You know, it's hard to choose between mm-hmm. all the movies. We're not saying that any of our films aren't as good, but I think you know, if you've got a whole collection and you're you know, you're giving it, say, the UHD treatment, or you, you know, you're going beyond in some way. Then I think um, that's just the finish we were looking for. That whole the complete relationship between the slipcase, the digipack, the book. Mm. Uh, just trying to make it feel special, I think. Because this was your first um, slim hard case, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. It yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when I got it in the box, I was just like, this is a little bit smaller than usual. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 But I'm pleased you've respond. I'm pleased you've sort of understood the, the, the kind of the value in terms of the shelf space part because that that was the key bit of thinking really. We just we were looking at the schedule, thinking, wow, we've got all of these sort yeah. of what we might call plush editions coming up, and I sort of thought, well, mm. do a little test. How many can fit on the shelf? Oh God, we got a problem, you know. So mm. it's still they're still exactly. classy, like they're still you know, still you know solid, you know, classy, you know, beautiful print. Yeah, I, I doesn't really shine so. Good, good. Well, well, Kendall, I guess we can all kind of say because we all love exploitation. Mm. Uh, I know mm. Tony's a big exploitation fan. I'm obsessed with exploitation. When when the announcement of um, Patrick and Snapshot were out, oh, made my day. And um, uh. but the thing that got me the most, I think, I, I believe it was Snap. I think I believe it was Patrick that had three different cuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never knew that there was three different cuts. All I knew was just the one. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here, Tony. Even <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, other editions have had. Um, I mean, the problem, the problem with snapshot. Just to talk about snapshot and go back to Patrick in a minute. Um, and you, you, I'm sure you'll know this. All the original film elements for the long director's cut, they're just they're gone. So all that exists is, um, well, a few different standard definition sources. But we, we, we've got some plans about how to maybe hopefully do the best presentation possible of, of that cut. Otherwise, it's the, from the foot, from the neg, the 35 mil anamorphic neg for that. But yeah, with Patrick, um, yeah, we're obviously we've got the neg for what you might call the full Australian theatrical cut, which is the longest, like 113 minute version. Yeah. But yeah, the US, the US cut was was cut as well. I mean, cut for time, not cut for censorship reasons, as well as revoiced. I'm sure you know about all of that. Um, so of yeah, that's a, that's a sort of strange watch. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're presenting the Italian cut as well. We've um, Anthony Ganane has, has given us permission to put that on there, so that'll be the first time that that's 
been seen in its correct cut. So again, it's a unique cut. I think it's about 102 minutes or something. And then the uh, US cut is 97, I think. But yeah, I, th I believe on any home entertainment media and possibly anywhere, it's the first time when it's, that it's going to be actually subtitled correctly, you know, in, in English. So these three distinct cuts will be on the disc. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I think before the only, I think there's only ever been an extract, I think, from the US cut on previous editions. I can't remember now, but yeah, we're just in the middle of putting all of that, the sort of the finishing touches to the mastering and the reassembly and the re-edits and so on. And we've been tracking down VHSs from every corner of the globe to make sure that it's frame accurately the exact cut. So yeah, that yeah, that's really exciting, I think, to be able to, to do that as well. We love both those films and uh, yeah, like I said, exploitation in general being, you know, <laughs> we grew up on a lot of these films. Uh, I guess for, I guess for John, like, are you going after more Aussie films? Like, are you kind of pursuing some more Australian? Yeah, there, um, I mean, there is, yes. We, we As part of the Patrick and Snapshot, you know, we have got um, a few other exploitation movies coming down the line. So I can't remember how many there is now. Um, probably about it's, another four or five, is it? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. But actually, we were we were we are at a meeting yesterday with someone who um, we were talking to them about more Australian titles as well because you know it's like anything you do you kind of get deep into the research you get deep into the like you know reading the books and watching the extras and you're like oh my god it'd be great to do that it'd be great to do that you know so mm. yeah watch this space I think there's a there's certainly a, an appetite and an interest here at Indicator HQ to do maybe more of mm. that. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, music to our ears because um, mm. yeah, the like uh, your Mad Dog Morgan release is one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely, uh, did so well. I adored that that set. Yeah, great. Mm. Did really well. Yeah, well, we'll make that priority. I mean, it's definitely on our hit list. You know, um, yeah. Um, if you got any ideas? Email me and John afterwards. Mm. Is anything? <laughs> let us know. And there's a few that, um, uh, yeah, like I would, think they haven't gone past HS some of the titles, so it would be quite a bit of a hunt. But there are a few, I'm sure we can dig up some. Right, Kendall. Yeah, so, great. Yeah, let's do that. It'd be yeah. good. <laughs> Find stuff. <laughs> yeah. So even some far away. Westerns, everything. Yeah, it's it's a diverse genre. Um, cool. Um, awesome. And, and Suzanne, do you have um, anything else? I think you were going to ask about the classic Hollywood or anything you want to quickly ask or? Yeah, I was just going to generally ask, um, you know, you keep doing your classic 30s, 40s films. Um, if you could just tell us a bit about them and do you think there's younger people getting into these films now? How are they all tracking? Hmm. That's a good question. What do you think, John? Do you think that they're finding we, a new audience? It's quite incredible, really. The um, you know we've done quite a few noir sets now, um, and it's in in incredible. Right from the very first set that we've done, obviously they've all been released in standard edition format, mm. and those sales seem to pick up much. You know, it, it, and particularly you know when these sales happen, and it's these people who've not heard of us before, weren't around or weren't viewing us when we released the, them originally, and now they're seeing them in the individual formats. And the sales 
are really starting to increase. So um, there's definitely, you know, more people, and so there should be. I mean, they're, they're just a, a great set of movies, aren't they? You know, you look back on them and with great fondness. And I think, um, you know, when we did we did some um, advertising in the UK, particularly with a, a radio station that's really gathering gathering pace. It's a called Boom Radio, and it's it's um, uh, the DJs on it are all from the you know that 60s 70s era and they've created this audience and we did some advertising with them um quite recently for the sale and you know the, the, the part of the focus was you know these these classic classic noir movies and you know the feedback we got from that was was fantastic so there's just definitely Brilliant. a huge appetite for them and certainly not you know from the age group that you know we get lots of um, people who, who write into us as you can imagine obviously recommending lots of films that they'd like us to release etc but they're also commenting on on the stuff that we that we have released and and the age group um that are into these movies which is i think is fantastic is is a lot younger than than you would first anticipate obviously there's lots of boomers um that that love these movies but there's definitely a a groundswell of um you know and, and i think sam would know that you know a lot of the people that, w- that we work with and you know do the extras and do the booklets you know that they really have got this this appetite for these these great classic movies and and it's one of those that um you know the, the magazine sight and sound as sam mentioned before that's always the one that they get more interested in is is, is these noirs um more so than any other any other movies i think so it's it's great that the catalog is really really starting to to move in, in in all of those that we released very very early on and in terms of like the mamulians and the lubiches and all of those kind of things we have more of those we sort of they're they're, they're part of a package that we picked up a couple of years ago i think um from universal so i think and it's just part of the rich mix you know it's we again you know when we're in the middle of production on those you know your appreciation for them just goes through the roof because you end up watching them two or three times and getting sort of very familiar with their sort of subtleties and intricacies and reading about the, the production and getting to know more about, you know, the cast and the crew. So I, I just, it just feels, it's not really rediscovery work in the same way that you might say that the Todd Slaughter or the Michael J. Murphy is, but it's, it's just a hat's off in the direction of the classics really. And the, 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 the films that should never, really be out of circulation because god forbid that they don't come out or they only come out in very perfunctory vanilla editions it just it would seem seem a very you know great shame to see them not treated with the love and respect that they deserve i think a reappreciation of what they are yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean and if it wasn't us doing it i'm sure arrow would do it or i'm sure maybe bfi might do it or that you know someone else might do it or maybe you know imprint in, over in Australia might do with some of those titles as well but it, it, it feels a privilege to be able to work on all those titles yeah I think we all like Kendall like we say when they do you do a classic month I I, I love it <coughs> like just yeah. you know, last month or I think it's really important as well I mean I think we try we, we, we recognize that different people love different things and I suppose part of what we kind of hope that we might be about is possibly trying to break down a little bit those barriers i mean obviously you can't force anyone to be interested in anything that they don't want to be interested in and that's that's all fine of course you know but i I think rather than just stay in a groove and only do classic hollywood or only do you know british this or or even australian that i think it's you know we sort of we like mixing it up and and we hope that people come on 
if not the whole journey, some of it. And maybe they might, you know, tune out on that particular aspect, but at least they know about a bit, yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that. Um, from Hollywood to heaven. Ah. Mm. Now there is a set. Oh my God. That is frightening, scary, amazing, beautiful. Yeah. What the hell? It's just brilliant. It's just to me mind boggling. It's not my pick for the release of the, the year for you guys, but holy sugar. It's yeah. brilliant. That was Isn't it, just, yeah. it is just so good. And if if you haven't picked it up, pick it up. My God, your mind will be bent in so many different directions. You will not understand how much you need to love God or he's going to sacrifice you. He's going to kill you. But maybe he won't. Maybe you have to kill your own child. But no, maybe you don't. Maybe yeah. he will give a lamb instead. Oh, God's sake. Yeah, yeah they're full on those movies. They're full on it's, the... Uh, yeah. The best, I think. Exploitation films. Oh, I think Kendall, you can ask about that set as well. Like, um, because I think like that was easily the wackiest set of the year, but in a good way. Like, it was the film. Just, no, it's yeah, the best. It was no, just in terms of mix. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. What were you saying? Sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 no. Let Ryan go, please. <laughs> he put me under the spotlight, guys. Yes. No, but it was an interesting release because it just seemed like a different variation of films to what you normally guys normally do. And that's probably mostly because of the hard Christian films that are part of the set as well, too. Um, yeah. I think that was the first time you did uh, that um, third-party partnership with the book, I believe. Yes. yes. And that, that was even more connected than any other similar sort of mechanic you might say that we've run where we've worked with a partner because they were within a couple of weeks published at the same time you know with mm. um with jimmy mcdonough having authored obviously the, the huge tome but also the the, yeah. the our book as well and, and god bless him he quite literally but he um <laughs> he, he didn't want to just kind of like extract from his big book and put it into ours so he kind of spent time rewriting mm. offering a few little extra tidbits in hours as well and did a cracking job on the commentaries as well you know he's just got that it's it, to 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 be fair it's his project really he is the 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 guiding light the driving force behind the whole thing he's when 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 his book came out and uh, the set dropped he, you know because he's in touch with people like john waters john waters was like what why did i know about this this is crazy you know so <laughs> It's really quite off the map stuff. Um, but he's he's the guy who's been holding the candle and holding the torch for that and pulling all the research together and being in touch with everyone, with Tim Ormond and everybody and um, uh, and pulling it all together. So he, he he's responsible. And then he, you know, he took it to, to Nicholas Winding Refn and and uh, yeah, that whole team kind of put that all together. And we came in and said we'd love to release the set and that's how it all happened. So yeah, it was a real privilege to work on. And it was just, it was kind of ironic really for us because we'd just done Michael J. Murphy, this kind of really kind of outre set. And we thought, well, <laughs> what can we do next? It's like that. And this was it, really, I suppose. I mean, it's Don't similar, like different. Yeah. It was a good follow-up. It was a good follow-up. That's <laughs> for sure. Travel on to God. Yes, it's right. one extreme and onto another. So Absolutely. a journey against yeah. this exploitation filmmakers become you know christian film it's 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 fascinating it's just an incredible story isn't it i mean someone should do the biopic i mean just, 
Stop mm. like incredible story. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that was, um, yeah, with Nicholas Wayne Riffin as well, another collaboration. Yeah, mm. I mean, you know, we did a couple of things with him a couple of years ago. We did, or maybe even longer, I forget now, but the Night Tide was one of the yeah. key ones. And uh, Spring Night, Summer Night, which is like a perennial favourite of mine, which is... Uh, yeah, I love that you film. you've seen it, but it's really extraordinary. Um, mm. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's great to kind of work with him again. The, the, the hope is that we've got some other projects down the line with him, which will be uh, sort of equally odd, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to get much more odd than this. <laughs> that's right that's that's, that's, that was amazing no um well look we know you guys are busy you don't want to take up too much of your time but um was there anything else you guys want to ask ask questions or well good yeah i was uh, but it, it was such a thing as a year overall such a dope or was that william i just want to say one thing just say thank them that's all <laughs> thank, thank them yes thank i was you. just gonna ask um if you could just maybe round up the year with any highlights or um mm. thoughts like that any surprises like things that sold well or you know just really blew your mind Oof. well i'd have to say that obviously our, our introduction into the uhd market's been very positive we've i think that's an aspect that we're going forward because you know there's potentially there's so much more that you you know you are able to do uh with uhd and um yeah we're, we're certainly on that um on that that treadmill of uhds which um yeah which we've obviously got a lot more next year um but i mean i guess the mexican um we've had so many I mean, in, particularly in America, you know, we've had so many great compliments about, you know, releasing uh, the Mexican product and, and how well they've done. You know, they've gone out of print in America. Um, and so the fact that we've got some more even stronger titles coming up will be uh, will be great going into 2024. Um, but I guess, you know, it's it's hard to pick any one particular um, title from my point of view. Um it's well, I don't know. I, I think the it, you know the, the the set that you were talking about um, earlier, Suzanne. You know the Todd Slaughter. I think that's certainly going to be. You know, it's a shame it's right at the end of the year, isn't it? Really, otherwise it'd probably been in a lot of people's you know favorite favorite titles of the year. I think. Um, but yeah, that's been. I think that's been one of our best productions so far. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that question fully, except to say that. I think as ever, there's lots of learnings. I think this this learning curve that we're on about UHD uh, is um, and 4K mastering mostly is just uh, that's been quite an interesting thing for me this past year and sort of slightly into the back end of last year. And in terms of titles, I mean, I, I'm you know proud proud of them all. Really proud of Slaughter. Really happy that you've singled that out for some focus as well. And I'm really pleased you like it. Um, but you know, working on the Jean Rollins is a bit of a dream, and I, I know for the for James Blackford, who's been producing them all, it's it it is a real dream, you know, because he actually used to work with with, with Redemption. Um, so, and he, you know, I think he was like that classic teenager in his bedroom, you know, listening to uh, you know, death metal and watching watching Roland and just uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a dream. <laughs> For him to so work. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of pressure on him. <laughs> For every Roland fan, isn't it? Death metal, black metal. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. In the yeah. 90s, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's been a stressful time. Like, I'm not trying to say it's all been um, roses and, uh, you know, and rainbows for him because there's been a lot of pressure on getting those right and getting them to be uh, as good as I hope they are. Um, but I've got to say one of the things that uh, is actually a couple of release for next year, but we've just finished production on them. So for me, they fall in this year. A couple of titles that I'm really, really excited about. One is The Man I Had Power Over Women, which is the title you referred to earlier, which is the web exclusive. And I got a real personal relationship with that because I knew John Krish. Um, I, I sort of I lived quite close to him for um, the last few years of his life. And I sort of went round to his very often every couple of weeks for 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 an evening meal and a chat. Got to know him very well, hugely respect his work as a documentarian as well as as a feature filmmaker. So actually bringing that out is a really big deal for me. And I think it's a great film, but there's a couple of really fabulous um, short documentaries on, on there, um, which I'm really pleased that we we're able to include as well. So maybe we'll get to have a little chat about that next year. And then there's another quite obscure film that we're releasing called Impossible Object, which has been a it's a John Frankenheimer film, very little mm. seen John Frankenheimer film with Alan Bates. <clears throat> and um, I love it. It's great. You know, and again, we've done that thing where we've sort of found, I think I think we've used my old VHS to DVD transfer of an old off-air broadcast of, <laughs> of the English language cut to, uh, you know, reassemble the French master that we've got. We found that we had all the content um, we were able to put both cuts together. We got a print and we scanned the the titles and the end cards and stuff to to be able to assemble it all and use the audio from the VHS, which is really actually turned out to be great quality. So we're presenting the French cut and the and the international English language cut of that. Um, and again, that's just a film that's gone from. Does that has anyone even heard of it? You know, and then it's got it's going to be out on a really quite tasty, I think, Blu-ray. So that's, you know. That's not going to make you a lot of money necessarily if that's all you do. But as part of what we do, it feels quite important. And um, in terms of my own personal highlights, that those would be a couple. That's the love. Yeah. That's yeah. The love. That's, and, that's um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just well, you know, maybe you won't think that they're great films, but we'll see. You know, <laughs> let's matter. have a chat next year see what you think. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll love it. <laughs> but the role, I was just thinking of the, you said earlier, the medal with Roland and stuff, but thank you for using the poster art, because I remember they used to have these really weird, like, new photo, these new models, they used to, on the Redemption line, they used to have uh, interesting, yeah. uh, that didn't Scarf, really represent the film. And candles, yeah. and yes. But the original posters are beautiful, most. They, they are, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Um, but there were so many amazing releases this year, like, um, yeah, so personally, one of my favorites, just quickly before we finish, is um, They Might Be Giants. So I was so glad that got a release. I love that film. I adore it. And yeah, the fact yeah. that it got the indicated treatment, I was over the moon about it. So, oh. yeah, great film. Uh, quite, quite touching, su surprisingly touching as well. I think that film is as uh, mm. one another of another one. We did a couple of cuts, I think, if I can remember rightly. Yeah. But yeah, that was a yeah. start here. And it's, yeah, one of them. Um, Scott's George C. Scott's best roles, but obviously he didn't get the credit for it, um, you know, because people know him for his more angry, shouting roles. But this is him in a more personal, subtle sort of almost, you know, thinking Sherlock Holmes or is he Sherlock Holmes? So it's a really, mm -hmm. I, I love that film. So I just want to say thank you for releasing that film because I. Great, I'm pleased you like it. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, but um, no, you know, you guys are busy. Any other final thoughts or comments, guys, while we're here? <clears throat> good, good. Keep it yeah. up. 
we'll let yeah, you go. Back to the grindstone. It's been nice yeah. to have a 90 minute relax and chat with you all. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank, thanks so much. Thank you so much.